wouldn't you? Being a, a married couple, you would think we would talk things through and we would kind of like discuss what she's going to say when, if she does the offering and then what I'm going to say when I preach. It doesn't quite work like that. It, it kind of does to a certain degree. There are themes, but we didn't go into a great deal about discussing tonight. But um, what, what Vicky's touching on there in terms of finance is actually the, the point of the word tonight. I want to talk about money. Big topic, isn't it? Money. Finance. Not on about money in terms of giving or anything like that. It's not a, a, this is not like we're going to do another offering or asking for your money or anything like that. It's, it's about money and our relationship with money and how that is and how that affects us. Anyone in here got enough money or too much money? I've got, I had a nod to got enough money. Well, let's, let's start at the top, right? Anyone got too much money in here? No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not seeing any nods for too much money. All right. Anyone got maybe more than enough? Maybe more than what you need? No, no one's admitting to that. <laughs> There's no one going, well, all right, all right. Anyone got enough? Well, you kind of, yeah, all right, yeah, I'm okay. I'm getting by. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Anyone care about money? Anyone, in fact, anyone not care about money? Anyone not give two hoots about money? Catherine, yeah, 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 at the back, yeah. A couple of people, I, I used to say, that I don't care about money. Don't give two hoots about money. And to a certain degree, I, I've spent my life kind of doing that. Vicky talks. The, the strange thing about our, our, our life in terms of with finance is that I, I've seen a roller coaster. It, it literally has been like a roller coaster, our life with finance. There are times when I, I've been abundantly blessed and money's not been an issue. And, and I've been helping other people and giving money to others or lending money to others and stuff like that. I've had times when it's just completely gone on its head and I've been struggling to the point where anxiety and, and stress and, and, and worry and, and concern about I'm going to make ends meet, I'm going to pay bills, a few nods going on. I wasn't saying that to get any nods, but people know what I'm on about. Um, in fact, I heard a, a story on that on the, on the radio just this last week, and it was a guy, I, I should have took a note of his name, forgive me, I didn't, but he, he was on uh, BBC Radio 5 Live, and he'd been a captive for five years, he'd been held in captivity, he was a prisoner, and he was, he was chained, um, I don't think it was to a radiator, but that kind of thing, you know, and just in a darkened room, chained to a radiator, kind of, you know, being beaten and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. He's been out for quite a few years now, he said this, he said the hardest thing, he said, he said I struggle with this, he said that you would think I've been a soldier, I've been held in captivity, I've been beaten, I've been mistreated, you name it, yet, yet I've found it harder coming out and being free when the gas man comes around and he's asking for a £50 bill that I can't afford to pay. He actually said, I, these were his words, not mine, he said, I actually find that harder. He said, I've found that to be more difficult than being in captivity. And, and I kind of, some of you are looking at me quite blankly there. I got it. I understood what he meant by that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I've been, never been chained to a radiator for five years, clearly. Although I have been married for 20, so no, no, no. <laughs> you were laughing, love. You were laughing. Um, but I, I get what he means from the point of view of the, the stress and the angst. You see, the thing about external pressures is that sometimes that situation that he was in, as tough and as difficult and as, as, as hard as it was, 
the mental challenge inside when you're faced with a situation that you don't know the answer to or that you cannot solve can be harder because that lives with you wherever you go. He, what he was getting at was when he was in that cell, in one sense, he didn't really have anything to worry about. He, got, he came to a point where he was getting by. He learned to get by. He had nothing. He didn't have anything. And he learned to cope in that situation. But suddenly being in a situation where you're the one, you're the one who's responsible, you're the one that's got to make the decisions, you're the one that gets the finger pointed at when it doesn't go right. Anyone know what I'm on about? That, that yeah, you know what I'm on about. That is what he was on about. That is incredibly difficult and can be incredibly difficult. And what I want to say to you tonight is, you know that we're a church you know that we believe in God. You know that we believe in the moving of God and that God speaks. And what I want to say to you tonight is there's some people in here tonight, there's someone, maybe, maybe more than one in here tonight, and, and you're kind of, maybe you put your hand up. I, I'm, I'm not pointing the fingers at anyone who did put the hand up to this, by the way, because I get it. I get what you're saying. So maybe it was you, maybe it's not you, maybe it's someone else who didn't put the hand up. But you would maybe in your head put your hand up to that idea that money doesn't matter. I'm not money motivated. I'm not obsessed with money. Money's not a big, huge issue to me. But actually, God might be saying, that, hey, hold on, you're actually in that, you're taking the easy route. Because there is a responsibility around money that we each of us have to have. We live in a world that is dominated by finance. And if you think, well, okay, yeah, is it really? You can get by without some whatever. Think about, I, I, just as one example, think about elections, okay? Elections are fought on education, the fought on health, the fought on defense, the fought on crime and, and the kind of police force and the police service and all of those things. But I promise you this, when the economy is struggling, that will be the major battleground of what an election is fought on. When people are doing well, then, you know, those other things will, be, will come higher up the list and people will be more concerned with them. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, we live in a world where you cannot get away from money. Anyone been in a situation where you've, you've struggled or you've worried about a bill or you've been concerned about how you're going to get by? And what I want to tell you is this, that whether you're financially well off or whether you're struggling, each has its own challenges. One isn't necessarily easier than the other. Just like the guy who's chained to the radiator, when you've got nothing and money's very, very simple, there are pressures with that, but there's almost a freedom in that and an ease of getting by with that. When there's the pressures, though, of, of trying to make ends meet and trying to struggle and, and not knowing how you're going to do that, that carries a different set of circumstances. When there's the pressures that in the middle where you've got a certain amount of money and you're able to get by, but there's other pressures that are calling on you, kids, anyone know what I'm on about? They, they, want, they want this, they want that, they want the other. They, suddenly everyone in their class has got this new thing, everyone. Oh man, the amount of times our kids come home and tell us that. Sophie's laughing her head off in the middle. The amount of times she used to come home, everyone, ev everyone mum. Everyone's got this in school. They've got this pair of shoes or they've got this, this dress or I don't know what, what girls are interested in. They've got this makeup or something or they've got this mobile phone. They've all got it. They've all got it. And so, so you go, oh my goodness, everyone's got it and Sophie hasn't. And we've got to find it. And how are we going to do it? Because we haven't got the money to give it to her. And so we suddenly realise, we started saying, okay, everyone's got it. There was a, just, just which kid, just name them for us. 
and it'd be like two of them. Two of them in a class of 30, or three of them maybe, you know. But that carries its pressures, doesn't it? Doesn't it? But in here, some of you in here, I really feel that God's saying, okay, you are avoiding money. You're almost shirking your responsibility by saying, I don't, I don't care about money. Money isn't an issue to me. And actually God's saying to you, no, I want you to care about money because I want you to be responsible with it. Now, let me bring in a balance here. I just want to read some, some scriptures to you. It's from 1 Timothy, forgive me, I've not put this up because it was only last minute when I decided to, to share these. A- anyone know what the Bible says about money? What, what verse would spring to mind about money? The love of money. Guess what I'm going to... Does anyone know where that is in the Bible? Well done. Spot on. That's exactly what I'm going to... I'm just going to share a few verses. Listen to what, what Paul says. Paul's speaking to Timothy here. He says this. He starts off saying, Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. Different translations can put it slightly different because they're all translations of the original, which was in Greek. And I don't, Is anyone speak Greek in here? I will stick with a modern one there. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. Anyone met people like that? If you've been around church or work or school or people for any length of time, you come across them, don't you? These people that have an unhealthy need to quibble over things that you just go, who cares? Come on, grow up, sort yourself out. And this stuff is important stuff. Come on. This stirs up arguments, ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicion. These people are always causing trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet true godliness with content is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Listen, I just want to focus for a few moments on that verse there. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. If you want to be wealthy, if you want to be rich, that I would suggest is what true wealth is really is. It's not about having a huge bank balance. It's not about having lots of possessions or the latest gadgets or the latest clothes or the the big house or any of those things. It is about having true godliness with contentment. With contentment. You cannot buy that and you cannot put a price on it. But people who long to be rich, this translation puts it, the love of money, the unadulterated love of money for, for just for its own sake. Those people are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and some people craving money have wandered away from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Let go of money. It isn't something you can catch. 
It isn't something that you can grab a hold of and keep a hold of. It's like chasing the wind because it's easy come and it's easy go. It can be there one minute and it can be gone the next. And God's saying that don't chase after money. To chase after money, to be obsessed with money and having lots of it is a trap that will pierce you and will cause you many, many sorrows. So understand my, my motive in what I'm saying. I am not saying that we should be a people that run after and chase after money. What I am saying is though, there are some in here and you are completely and utterly avoiding money and avoiding your responsibility with money by saying, oh, I, I don't care about it, doesn't matter. I don't need to be worried about that stuff. That stuff for, for other people to worry about. Those rich people over there can be concerned about that. And I would just suggest that actually there is a healthy level of, 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 of care that we should have about money. I want to tell you this. God cares about your finances and about your money because he cares about you. It's not your money he cares about. It's you. He cares about you. He cares about you. You are his obsession. You are his desire. He has moved heaven and earth to bring you here tonight just to hear his word, just to hear him speak. He loves you so greatly, so amazingly so, that he would do anything just to spend some moments with you, just to spend some time with you, just to connect with you, just so that you can see his heart for you and his great love for you. God loves you. God loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. Ever. But Matthew 6 are the verses I want to look at tonight. I don't want to spend too long. It's a famous chapter. It was the most incredible speech ever, ever given at this time. It was completely contrary to everything anyone ever thought. It messed with people's heads of who God was and what God's view was. Jesus was a Jew. He was a Jew. And the Jews, we all know, are very sensible around money. They're sensible around money and they're clever with money and most of them generally are good with money because God taught them the principles of how to use money. And the principle's really, really simple with money and it's to sow. God says if you take a portion and you give it back to me and you take another portion and you sow that, that is the way to grow your finance and to grow your money. You don't use everything you've got. The Bible, the Old Testament, is full of incredible wisdom around finance. That's why Jewish people tend to be rich, because God has told them and shown them the secrets of money. So Jesus was to be speaking to a people that were generally prosperous around money. They were generally good around it. Yes, at the time they were a nation that had been invaded. But why had another nation bothered to invade them? Because they had great wealth there. They were someone to be concerned about. 
And yet Jesus is speaking to a people here, to a group of people who know that God has told them that I want to make you prosperous. I want to make you wealthy. I want to make you the head and not the tail. I will bless you as you go out and I will bless you as you come in. I will bless your crops and your herds. I will bless your finances, your bank account, your job, your career. All of these things I will bless, he said to them. That's what he said. That was the essence of what God says in the Old Testament. If you will just obey me and follow my ways, I will bless you. I will make you prosperous. I will make you the head. You won't be scratching around struggling for a handout or for some money. But no, you will be successful and prosperous. You will be helping others. He told them to be generous. He told them to care about the poor. He told them all of these great things that would show them how to handle money, that their money would work for them, that they would be wealthy. And it worked. Generally, Jewish people, if you follow the Old Testament laws on money, it is a great way to run your finances. It works because God knows what he's doing. But Jesus is speaking to a people that have got this idea in their heads that, that God's heart then is all about prosperity, all about them being wealthy. Jesus comes in and gives them a completely different way of seeing it. So on the one hand, you've got God saying, I'm going to make you wealthy. I'm going to make you prosperous. I'm going to increase. The, I am the God of increase, it says in the Old Testament. I'm going to increase your finances and your wealth. And then Jesus comes in and says to these people that God has said that to. He says, this is, don't store up your treasures here on earth. Don't do it. That sounds a little bit contrary to me. He says, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Because that's the reality. That's the reality. As wealthy as you get, there is always who's going to come along and try and take it from you. Be it the tax man, be it inflation, you name it, whatever it is, he's trying to take it off you. If you've got money at the moment in this, in this climate, in this economic climate, then inflation is taking your money away from you. If you've got £100 in the bank or £1,000 or £10,000 or £100,000 in the bank, I promise you that money is worth less in a year's time than it is today. Even with the interest that the bank gives you. Interest rate is running at kind of, you'd do well to get 1% interest rate at the moment from any bank. Inflation's running at over 3%. So your £100,000, what you could buy with that today, in a year's time, you'll be able to buy less with it. Because the cost of everything's gone up and, and what your money, the interest you earn on that, hasn't gone up by the same amount. It's the way it's going. Economy could change and could fall apart. Brexit could cause absolute chaos in this country. I hope it doesn't. I don't personally think it will, actually. I think we've got a spirit in this nation that we will rise up and we will say this is a great opportunity for us to stand again for who we are and what we are and, and, and be a great nation. I, I actually personally think we'll do well with Brexit. However, it may not go like that. It may not go like that. 
But Jesus said, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures where? In heaven. Store your treasures in heaven. Store them in heaven. Jesus isn't saying, don't have a big bank balance. He's not saying, don't be sensible around money. Don't have money. What he's saying is he's talking about your treasure. What is your treasure? Is your treasure your money? Is your treasure your clothes? Is your treasure your house? Or is your treasure those things beyond this life? Is it a true legacy that will live beyond you? That's what Jesus is saying here. He said, wherever your treasure is, there, there, wherever your treasure is. See, the question he's asking is this, what is your treasure? What is your treasure tonight? What is it? Is it the bank balance? Is it the clothes? Is it the house? Is it the car? Is it the career? Is it the position? Or is it the things of God, the things in heaven, the things that live beyond this life. He said, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. Seems like he's changing the subject here. Anyone with me? Like so he's talking about wealth and treasure and all of that. And then suddenly he's starting to talk about an eye. And your eye is the light of you. What, what, what's he going on about? 23 says, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. All right, but what the flip's that got to do with money? What's that got to do with money? Anyone know? A story I've shared a few times, and it's a great analogy. There's, there's lot. In fact, actually, I'm teaching Sophie to drive at the moment. She's, she's having lessons, and, and I'm getting the, the pleasure. And I mean that genuinely. I'm loving taking her out in the car and teaching her how to drive. And, 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 and remember, anyone remember learning to drive? Do you remember that? Do you remember having to think about the clutch and the accelerator and all of that at the same time? And, and then changing gear and, and trying to steer as well. And, and then indicate and then look in your mirrors and, and then look at the, car, the, 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 the road ahead and all that kind of stuff. How many different things have you got to think about at once? It's nigh on impossible, isn't it? So obviously one of the things I'm teaching her is, is, to, is, is observation and where she looks. And, and one of the things you find with a learner is that they will veer. They'll be driving along, even on a perfectly straight road, right in the middle, and they will veer to the left, or they'll even worse, they'll veer into oncoming traffic. Uh, you know what I mean? It's that kind of stuff. Fortunately, I can reach across to the steering wheel and quickly grab it and pull it over to the left. But you'll get that. You kind of find that. There'll be this veering to the left or veering to the right. And guess which way they veer? They veer in the direction they are looking. So if you're looking, and this is one of the things I'm trying to explain to Sophie, and which is a little bit contradictory because I was explaining to her the other day about how you've got to be scanning. 
You can't just focus on one thing. You've got to be kind of constantly looking, looking at kids who are maybe running at the side or is there someone about to get onto the zebra crossing or is there a car about to pull out in front of you or looking in your mirrors, is there someone about to overtake you, all this kind of stuff. But actually, your focus has to be on where you are going because if you're looking over here and you keep looking over here, guess which way you'll go? Yeah? Are you with me? Very quiet tonight, guys. Am I? Is this, is this making any... Uh, is, how's this sound? How do you feel? We all okay? We're relaxed? Happy? Smiles? Yeah, I'm getting some smiles. But that's good. It's good. It's good. See, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Your eye. Do you think they could be connected? Your treasure and your eye? Do you think the paragraph before about your treasure could be connected to your eye? And your eye being your light? Listen to what he says again. Think about that. Where your eye is looking is where you will be taken. That is the direction. You won't be able to, you can't keep looking at a certain thing and not head in that direction. That's why people who who understand it and know about it, the, the Bible talks about vision. Asking God for a vision, having a vision for the future. And it's so important. It goes, God goes as far as to say this, without a vision, people perish. Because if you've got a vision and you know where you're going, you will just end up there. All you need is a vision. A vision and passion and the desire to get there, you will get there. You will get there. That's all you need. That's all you need in life. If you've got that, if you've got a vision from God and you know where you're going and you've got that desire and that passion, you will get there. You will succeed. But without it, you'll just wander aimlessly and you'll get nowhere. That's why it's so, so important. But what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, wherever you look, wherever your eye is drawn, that is where you will end up. That is where you will go. Listen to it again. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. You see what you're looking at. You're looking at, you're receiving light through your eye. The thing you're looking at is reflecting light. If it's a light bulb, it's putting out light. If it's me you're looking at, I'm just reflecting the light from these light bulbs. If the guys at the back turn these lights off, I go invisible. You can't see me anymore. Do it for a split second, guys, just to prove the point. Can you do it for us? See what I mean? Oh, you've got the light of that. But do you see how suddenly it gets darker and you can't see as much? You put them back up. <laughs> Sometimes, that's it. Thanks, Paul. Your eye is taking in the light of what you see. But when your eye is unhealthy, an unhealthy eye is an eye that's looking at the things that are going to cause you Grief, obsessed with the things that are harmful, obsessed with the things that are damaging. Your whole body is filled with darkness. The thing you're looking at, guess what? It doesn't just stay out there. It enters here and it ends up here. It ends up inside you. The thing you're looking at. The thing you're focused on, it enters here and it ends up in here. And when your body is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. There's no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other. 
or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you've got enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. You know, I I, I just want to stop for a second. I've written down in in my notes, I've put this right. Jesus saying, we've got to learn to still our thoughts. What he goes into in a moment when he says, look at the birds and consider the lilies and all of that. You see, the, the problem is that we become obsessed. We become worried about things and about finance and about where the next meal is going to come from or how we're going to pay the gas man when he comes asking for his money. How we're going to cope. How we're going to get by next year or the year after. What happens if the economy crashes? What happens if I lose my job? What happens if my company goes bust? But what Jesus is saying is the answer, the answer to that is to stop looking at those things. Because the more you look at those things, the more you look at the concerns, you'll be taken there. You'll be taken there. You'll be taken in your mind. you become obsessed with what may happen or what might not happen. And your eye is taken away from God and from who He is. And what he's saying is that we need to take our thoughts off those things. We need to stop thinking about those things. And we need to be able to focus on something else. But guess what? Guess what? Ever tried to take, ever, ever had that, that time when, when your mind's going away and going on and on and on about, about worry and concern and different things? Anyone ever experienced that? And, 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 and anyone tried to stop? Anyone try to stop and, and it just comes back and you just keep going on about it and just going there and going there and going there. Guess what? Guess what? He doesn't just say, don't think about those things. He tells you how to. He tells you how to. Listen, listen to what he says. He says, he says don't worry about those things. says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than them? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. Don't they, they don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, 
he will certainly care for you. Do you know what one of the most expensive paintings in the world is? The Sunflowers by Van Gogh. I mean, Sophie actually went down to London and, and saw it. You can go and see it in the Royal Art Gallery, in the National Art Gallery at Trafalgar Square. And you can be literally from here to there. That is close as that to it. And, and it's kind of faded now. And, but it's just a picture of some sunflowers. Yeah, the last time that was bought, it was, or sold, whichever way you want to look at it, it was sold for £80 million. Worth far more now. And what's it a picture of? Some flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow. And what Jesus is saying by this is, what he's getting at is this, that think about it for a moment. Just focus and look at these things in life that come and go. The flowers, they grow into winter now and the flowers are starting to die but what do you think is going to happen in springtime again? Flowers are going to come back. Whether you look after your garden or not, whether you bother to, to, to tend it and all this kind of stuff, I promise you this, the flowers will still grow. They'll still come back. The birds, they'll still be there. Long after you have come and gone, long after you've died and gone to heaven, these flowers, the birds, the sun... It'll all be rising again in the morning. The sun will set and the sun will rise again the next morning. And guess what? You don't have to do a thing about it. It just happens. And what he's saying is the way to take your mind off the, the weight of responsibility and the weight of burden of how am I going to do it? How am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to do it right? How am I going to sort this problem out? And you know what? You might be saying, well, my problem isn't necessarily finance. My problem's something else. I want to tell you, the answer is to relax. The answer is to go and look at God's creation. Go and look at the amazing wonder of it. Go and look at the flowers. Go and look at the birds and focus on them. Focus on them and what God does for them and how he looks after them. Because he cares for you far more than he cares for some flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow. It says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelief. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Let me say that again. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries today's trouble is enough for today maybe Adam you just play just play for us I, I, just Maybe just, uh, let's have a song. And you know, as the, as the band or as Adam or whatever are playing, just listen. Don't, don't sing. Don't be part of it. Just listen and enjoy.
Like, can you hear that? Isn't that a lovely sound? Anyone love the sound of a guitar? That, that picking and the notes and the chords. You know, God created music. He created music. He created the ear so that you could hear the music. He created the chords that work in harmony. All for our pleasure. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Just relax for a minute. Just focus. Just focus. If if thoughts come your way or you start getting anxious about something, and that's okay. It's just a thought. When you notice that, just go back to listening to the band and listening to what they're playing. Just focus on the intricacy of, of the notes and the chords and the harmonies and, and how amazing they all sound together. Every time you get distracted and start thinking about other things, just go back for a moment. Just listen again. Just listen to the beauty. Listen to the wonder of it. How amazing it is. If you want to think about anything, just think about this. God created that. He created those hands that are playing that guitar. The hands that are playing the drums. The, the fingers that are playing the keyboard. The vocal cords and the voices that are singing. He created it all for our pleasure because he loves us.